there was a young man, his name was Yankel, and he was had his suitcases ready to go on a trip, and his parents were there. His parents were happy and crying together because they didn't know if they were going to see their son again. This story happened over a hundred years ago in Europe, in a country called Hungary, and times were pretty hard. They were pretty tough for the Jewish people, for Yidin. They were, unfortunately, something called pogroms, when the guy would come and attack the Yidin and hurt them. There, the government was very tough on them, and then there were, later, after the story happened, there were wars, where people were very, were very poor. So, people who could, they wanted to escape, to leave Europe. And he managed to get a ticket for a boat to go to America, come to the United States, to New York. So, America then, people said, ah, in America, there you can make money, there it's safe, which is true. But everyone knew that in America there's a very big challenge, is that people had a very hard time keeping mitzvahs, and especially keeping Shabbos. You know, then when people came to America, so if they wanted a job, let's say, in a company, in a place somewhere, the boss would say, okay, fine, we have to work on Shabbos. And if the Jewish person would say, no, I'm not working on Shabbos, they say, okay, so I'll find someone else. I need my store, I need my business uh, working Shabbos also. It was a very hard test for a lot of people. So this ankle before he left, and again, his parents didn't know if they were going to see him again. Because in those days, again, he had to go by a boat. They didn't have airplanes you could travel back and forth fast. And they didn't know if they were going to ever see him, who knows what. And they were telling him, listen, first of all, promise to us, you're not going to forget what's most important in life. To do what Hashem wants and do Tere Mitzvahs. Don't get caught up with, uh, follow whatever other people say over there. And again, it was so different than if someone would be wearing a beard in the street, people would look like, oh, what's that? As if like he's wearing a, oh, a space suit or something, something, something weird. Like, what, what are you doing? They, they never saw such a thing. Nowadays, but Hashem is a lot easier. A lot of people have beards and people respect it. Yeah, you're following your religion. Very nice. People are a little better in certain things. But he said, listen, don't give up what the right thing is. Remember the most important thing. Learn Torah and do what Hashem wants. And then his mother also said, listen, Yanko, also, I heard in America, people have in their heads that it's not enough just to have enough money to live. They want to get, like, rich. They want to have a lot of money. So, my son, listen, don't work too hard. That's going to hurt your health. You know, don't work too many hours. You're not going to sleep. Not spend time with your kindleach, with your family. Hopefully you got married and have all the good things. Even if you work a little less, make a little less money. Please, stay healthy. He said, okay, mommy, don't worry. I will. I promise. Okay. Then he went on a train. The train took him to the, you know, the where the ocean was, for the boats. He got in a boat, and the boat was one-week boat to go to America. When he came, so Baruch Hashem, things went pretty easy for him. He moved in a little apartment in New York, and there was a Jewish community near, nearby. There was a shul, synagogue there, and he would he would daven, pray three times a day, he would study Torah, and after a little while, he even got engaged and got married to a nice Jewish girl, and he would send letters back home, and his parents were so happy, oh, Baruch Hashem, you know, our son is safe, he's doing well, he got married, and then he was looking for a business, something to do, he needed money to support his family. So nearby where he lived, there was what's called a laundromat. Some of you, I'm guessing, know what it is, but maybe some don't, is 
a lot of houses have inside washing machines, washer and dryer. But not all houses, especially maybe then it was harder. I mean, 100 years ago it was harder to have. But let's say in New York, there are a lot of laundromats around because there's a lot of buildings and they don't always want washing machines in the buildings for different reasons. So there's like, it's like a store with a lot of washing machines and dryers inside. You bring your laundry there, you wash it over there, you pay them some money, then you bring it back home. Okay. So there was a laundry mat that was up for sale. You could buy the store. So he bought it, and he fixed it up. He made it a little nicer, got a little better machines, and he made a good price, and a lot of people started coming to him to do the laundry, and he started making money that way. And he was working, a lot of people brought laundry, he was doing well, and he started to get, uh, get a good business. And he was very happy. He, he was able to learn Torah, he was able to daven. He was able to keep mitzvahs. He, he, Baruch Hashem, he started having children, he's having a family, all oh, things were doing good. You know, he was giving tzedakah, doing a lot of mitzvahs. Until one day, some people came and tried to make some trouble for him. There were two goyim, not Jewish people who lived in the area, and they were getting upset. Why is this Jew doing so well? Why is he happy, and he has a business, and he's doing mitzvahs? They said, let's make some trouble for him. Let's try to make, uh, let's ruin it, what he has. So what do they do? They are cr- across the street, they bought out a big place, a big store, and they made a better laundromat. They bought the fanciest machines, better washing machines that work faster and better, and more machines, who knows what, make it look super nice, and they even said, we'll do a cheaper price. Instead of paying, I don't know, what the price was back then, I'm just going to take a guess, 10 cents to do your laundry, you could pay 8 cents. I don't know what, whatever the price was. So now, if you have two laundry mats there, one's a little cheaper, and also not only is cheaper, but it works much faster. Let's say, if you go to Yankel's laundry mat, it'll take an hour to do laundry. If you go to the other one, it takes you half an hour. So where do you think people will go? The one that's faster. So even if Yankel will make his price cheaper, like theirs, but they have better machines, and it's faster. So all of a sudden, all his customers... They started going across the street, and now he doesn't have customers. Now he's getting, now he's losing all his money. So these two guys, even they were laughing, haha, we're taking away this Jew's business. And then they even told him, hey, listen, what are you, do? what are you still having your store open? That's so foolish. Just close it. No one's, no one's gonna come to you, and we don't want another laundry mat here. Just, just get out of here. Just leave. And the ankle just uh, ignored them. Didn't answer them. But he was worried, didn't know what to do. He's not getting customers. And he's not getting customers, he's not getting any money. So that same day that these Goyim were teasing him, making fun of him, so someone came in, knocked on his door. His, the, this other person, this other his name was Dave Bear. And he came to collect tzedakah, to collect charity. And Dave Bear, he, they knew each other back from Europe, from Hungary. And they sat down, they spoke for a while for for a while to each other. And Ankle told him about everything that happened to him. He's happy he came, things were going well, and he got married. But, you know, these people are making trouble from across the street. He doesn't know what to do now with his business. So David said, listen, I'm here. I came to America now to collect money for, for Jews in, back in Europe. But I'm going to go back. I'm going back to Europe soon. And then, in a few weeks, I'm going to go see my Rebbe, the Tzaddik, the great Rav Yeshayla of Karastirir. So tzaddik. A lot of people ask him to daven to pray for them. And a lot of people have miracles. So 
Why don't you write to him a pan, a pity nefesh, a letter, and asking for a bracha for the tzaddik to daven for you? So Yankel thought, oh, it's a good idea. You know, I don't know how to help myself, how to save myself from this situation, but for a holy person, a tzaddik to daven for me, I'm sure that could help. So he wrote a letter, and he said, here, give us the tzaddik. Okay. It came six months later, and Dave Bear came back again. Again, after they spoke the last time, Dave Bear went back to Europe, and he went to his tzaddik, Shaila Kassir, and he gave him the letter. And now, months later, he came back again to America to collect Saraka again. So when he came in, the Yankel wasn't doing so well. His business was even worse. He had, uh, didn't have customers. And when Dave Bear came in, he said, Ah, welcome to my sad house. And Dave Bear said, Hey, cheer up. No, don't be so sad. I have good news for you. He said, give good news? What? He reached in his bag. Dave reached in and pulled out a piece of metal and gave it to Yankel and said, Look, this is called a Kamea. It's an unexplained like this. We know how there are certain things that are considered very halic, very holy. Like we know a safe potato is holy. Yeah, we're very respectful. We stand up when we see. Yeah. When they take out the safe potato, a is something holy. Tfilin is something holy. A svarim, holy books are holy. A tzaddik for sure is very holy. So there were certain great tzaddikim who they knew how to write special things, how to make a certain, like take a piece of paper or a parchment and make a special kutushin, a special holy sinness in it. And that would be like a protection. There are certain great people who know how to do it. Nowadays, we don't really do it too much. The only thing we know is, we, the Torah teaches us, we have a mezuzah on your door, it protects. Like no bad malach, mishon kam, chas, shalom, nearby the house, in the house. But he, the tzaddik, knew how to make a something special holy for him. Instead, here, take this and hold this with you. The tzaddik said you should keep it with you, always. And it's going to protect you. But there's one rule. So, uh, okay, what's the rule? That the Rebbe said, don't open it until you're going to feel it's the right time to open it. Keep it closed. There'll come a day when you can open it. So, uh, okay, fine. He took this piece of metal, which inside of it was written something special, he didn't know what, and he kept it in his pocket. So he gave this day bear a few coins. That's for Tzedakah, that's all he had to give, or very little. And uh, fine, and he had it with him. So, for the next few days, Yanko had in his pocket, and wherever he goes, it's with him. Fine. So, he was kind of wondering, what is this doing in my pocket? It's hard to get me this little thing to hold. What is it? What am I doing here with this? And he had a lot of free time, because he didn't have customers, so he would take it out and look at it, but didn't open it, as Adik said. Fine. Is this going to help somehow? So, it's not this little piece of metal that could help. It's the fact that the tzaddik said it will help. And the tzaddik, I don't know how tzaddik does things. And when a tzaddik says something, he has a special power from Hashem. Hashem gives the tzaddik the ability to help people. So little did he know, this ankle, that he was already getting helped somehow. While he was in his store and, you know, waiting for customers and he was a little upset, across the street, those two goyim who were being mean to him, they were planning another nasty trick, even worse. And Hashem was protecting him. These two mini goyim, they said, they called over another guy, they called someone, his name is Edward, they say here. And they said, Edward, want to make a lot of money? I said, sure I do. So they gave him first $100. 
which back then, like 100 years ago, $100 was worth thousands and thousands of dollars, or worth a lot more. And they said, listen, all you got to do is you see across the street, there's a laundromat, yeah, from that Jew, you got to burn it down, okay? Do it sneak though no one's looking, make it catch on fire, and then once you do it, we'll give you a lot more money. And this guy said, oh, haha, I make a lot of money? Okay, good idea. He took the money and said, okay, I'll do it, fine. And he left. So that night, Edward got a big bottle full of gasoline, which gasoline, I'm sure you can probably guess, is very dangerous. You gotta be very careful. There's different types of gas. There's like when we turn on the stove and then the fire comes out, that's one type of gas. There's another gas you put in a car to make it drive, but all gas is dangerous. You gotta be very careful with it. And he took so he took a whole big bottle of gasoline and he took like a lighter to make a little make a fire. And he started walking towards the street to find the laundry mat. And somehow, Edward like got confused. Like he didn't know where he was going. It was dark. He couldn't see well. I don't know exactly how, but somehow the tzaddik and all and Hashem somehow they took care of it. He couldn't realize where he's going. He's a little confused, and he's trying to look for the numbers. Basically, somehow he got very confused. He didn't know where, he, where, where which building where he's going until he finally asked someone, "Hey." Do you know where's the laundry mat? And the guy pointed. Yeah, right there. Okay, so he went to the building exactly where this this guy pointed, and he poured down all the gas, and all by the door, by the w- windows, everywhere. He lit the fire and ran away. Okay. Can you take a guess what happened? Yeah. yeah. Ah, you guys figured it out. <laughs> the next morning, Yanko woke up. He went to go, to, went to Shul, to Navin, and he prayed, and then he sat down to learn. And then he left, and he started walking towards his store. When he came closer, a few blocks away, first he could hear sirens of fire trucks. He said, okay, fine. You know, a lot of fire trucks in New York City. Okay. He came closer, and he smelled smoke. came closer, and he hears, hey, that's, that's like, hey, that's, is that fire by my store? came closer and closer until he came right by his store, and he saw his store is fine. And like you guys guessed, right? Across the street, that big, huge laundry mat was all burnt down, totally burnt. Fine. The firemen were there. The police were there. And they're trying to figure out how did this catch on fire? What happened? How did it just become fire? So they had a bunch of different ways they could try to figure out how the fire happened. The way it was burnt, the way, I don't know, different ways they figured out. And they were asking people until the police finally figured out who let the fire. I don't know, it doesn't say here how they figured it out, but maybe like that person who Edward asked, hey, where's the laundromat? Maybe that guy told the police or something. And the police caught Edward, and they took him to jail. Said, you made a big fire? <laughs> You're going to go to jail for that. You're making a fire. You'll stay in jail for a long time. So Edward realized he's going to get in big trouble now. He doesn't want to stay in jail. He wants to make money. He doesn't want to stay in jail. He told the police, hey, it wasn't my fault. Those two guys, they told me to do it. You know, like put the blame on them. Don't, don't punish just me. Punish them and it make me uh, less punishment. I said, really? They told you to do it? Yeah, because they want to ruin the other, the other Jews. The Jews thought that, 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 the whole story. Okay. And so the police arrested them. Those two not mini goyim and they put them in jail. So now, after, see these two goyim, they wanted to burn down the Yid's one and somehow they burned down their own. So now, Yankel, he has his laundry mat and where do you think the customers when they want to wash the laundry, where are they going to go now? Yeah, they go to Yankel because the other one doesn't exist anymore. So he got back all his customers. 
And now he got back all his money also. People were like, okay, now he has money again. So this happened right after he got that special thing that Sadi gave him. But he still kept it closed. A few years later, he heard that the tzaddik passed away. Went up to Shemaim already. So he figured, you know, probably now is the right time to open it. He just had a feeling. Again, the tzaddik said, don't open it until you feel it's the right time. He felt, okay, now it's probably the right time. So he finally opened it up, and inside was a folded piece of paper that had written inside a pasuk from Chumash. Part of something from Chumash. It says... When the Malachim, the angels came to destroy Sedoim. So they came to Light and they were talking to him, basically, they're going to save Light. And then the people, the meaning, nasty people of Sedoim, they came and they wanted to hurt them. To hurt, yeah, why bring in guests? So the angels, the Malachim, they made all those people go blind. And then they couldn't find the door. So that was what the tzaddik wrote in the paper and said, here, hold this. That the, made them go blind, they couldn't find the door. And right after that, what happened? This Edward, like, got confused, couldn't, didn't know where he was going, uh, and couldn't find the door, couldn't find the right place. But somehow the tzaddik knew what was going to happen, and somehow, by writing and giving him to this, he helped him somehow. How a tzaddik knows that? I have no clue, but a tzaddik knows. And then he looked at it, and he was laughing, and saying, wow, what a great tzaddik this is. Baruch Hashem, I got saved. 